Welcome to the Well Ministry Podcast, where we want to help you understand the Bible. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Nathan Walter. All right, so Matthew 8, we're going to go 1 through 4. Um, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So, um, to understand what happens in this passage, uh, we need to understand leprosy. The best way to do that is by looking at pictures. Um, and, and we kind of want to talk about how they saw it at the time. Um, so it's your official warning, and there's a lot of better pictures that because I, I feel like the grosser the pictures are, the more you get a good picture of what it's really like. Okay, but I'm not going to show those. If you're interested, Google it. Um, it's pretty gross, but I just want to show a few pictures of leprosy. Um, this is good for this guy. He still brushes his hair. Still looks pretty dignified. Um, go the go, and then, and then that's my favorite. This one. Um, so some of the pictures I didn't show, and we just keep that up the whole sermon. So okay, I'm just kidding. So um, in some of the pictures, what you'll see is um, has anyone ever is anyone a nurse and everyone do, anyone done wound care? Isn't that awesome? Do you guys like wound care? Okay, no. <laughs> Whenever when I worked at a hospital and someone's like, oh, I got a job. We're like, oh, where, where do you get a job? They're hiring like mad. Where? Oh, wound care. Oh, no thanks. Because um, uh, it's kind of gross. That's why I didn't like move on into nursing because I'm like one of those people that would pass out. Uh, but what it shows is uh, people's eyes are missing. Um, and like you just see wounds that are like uh, kind of festering and they're deep and they're pink and they're gross. Um so these these are really kind of dumbed down pictures. We saw the the bumps, but um, we also most people go to lunch after this, so maybe didn't want to look at that. Uh, so leprosy is not fatal, um, and it operates by destroying the nerves. So any small wound that you get grows and grows, and it eats your skin away, um, and the muscles waste away, and your tendons kind of contract until your hands are kind of like claws. And we we saw her. I don't think she had any hands. Um, and then comes the progressive loss of fingers and toes until a whole hand or a whole foot may drop off. Um, there's extreme uh, deformation of the face and limbs and blindness. And really, until the early 80s, it was irreversible um, since the nerves that die can't be restored. It was a terrible and long death by which the sufferer really dies by inches. And once you got it, especially in this time, but, but even as recently as the 80s, you couldn't hope for a cure. And honestly, you may not know this, but leprosy is still around today. Um, and until the early 80s, it, couldn't, it could only be slowed but not cured. A quarter of a million new cases are reported globally each year, and around 3 million people are living with irreversible disabilities, including blindness, because of leprosy. Um, and for the longest time, Leprosy was perhaps like the most inexplicable of all human afflictions. It was a mystery. They didn't know how a person contracted the illness. They didn't know how it was spread. Um, it was, and it was really difficult to study. You know why? 
because no one wanted to be around a leper to study it, okay? They were isolated. Um, but once they started trying to treat it, once they um, got enough medical knowledge to say, let's try to treat this, as recently as the 1960s, this is what they would tell you if you got leprosy, okay? They would say, hope is your enemy. Stop hoping. From now until you die, leprosy is the biggest single fact of your existence. It will control how you live in every aspect of your life. From the moment you wake until the moment you sleep, you have to give your undivided attention to the hard edges and the sharp corners of life. You can't take vacations from it. You can't try to rest yourself by daydreaming. There can be no lapse in thought or attention. Anything that bruises, bumps, burns, breaks, scrapes, snags, pokes, or weakens you will end up maiming you, crippling you, or killing you. Even the smallest bruise, the smallest bump. And so your health entirely depended on what they called VSEs, which is visual surveillance of extremities. This is checking over your entire body constantly for any signs of injury. And because you'll never know when or if you hurt yourself, you never know if you, if you bump into anything and hurt yourself because your nerve ends are dying. So you have to get in the habit of doing VSEs, continually looking over your skin to see if you have a bump or a bruise. And you have to continually watch where you're going and what you're doing. If you will take the time and just look at your hands real quick, you will probably see some cut, scrape, bruise, that happened, very minor, and for most of us, I don't know how many times have you done it, how many times have someone's like, oh, like when you have kids, it happens a lot, they're like, what happened to you, daddy? And they're like, I don't even know. I, I couldn't tell you. It was so, so small of a moment in my life. Like, or like a lot of times when you're working and doing stuff, you're like, where's that blood coming from? There's like, that's a lot of blood. It's, ah, you know, it, it's on me. And now I've got it all over the thing I was working on. Right, because we don't, we don't even notice. But for someone who had contracted leprosy, it's a huge deal because that cut, that no matter how small, begins the process that will make you lose that finger. It's a big deal. So can you imagine what their life is like constantly looking over every inch, making sure they're not bumping into anything, right? And they're not walking around on carpet with shoes, right? I mean, there are so many more things, so many more hard edges, okay? You have to think about it all the time. And this is why leprosy has another aspect to the pain and suffering beyond just the physical. There's a lot of mental things going on, okay? Leprosy, it's not poetic or a romanticized disease, right? There, there's no like, oh my goodness, like, right? Like, because, I mean, you've seen the pictures, right? Um, the leper has always been despised and feared. They were outcast even by their most loved ones because of something no one could predict or control. Leprosy is not fatal, so most, most people would live 30 to 50 years as a leper, as it usually develops in adulthood. And due to the increasing deformity, the, not only do the arms, hands kind of become claws and losing fingers and toes and legs, but your legs and arms begin to kind of twist lose your limbs, lose eyesight. <clears throat> One of the pictures, actually, 
like the guy's eyes were just like eaten away. Very, very cool picture. Very cool picture. I'm just kidding. Um, but it looked uh, just so, it, it looks bad. It looks bad. Um, and so this makes the leper, when you think of all the um, disabilities that comes with not having hands or feet or arms or, or legs, I mean, in our society today, when someone has such a disability, what, what do they get? What's the thing they need more, more than anything else? Human support. Human support. In fact, most of the time when you come to a hospital with any, anything, usually what they try to figure out before you go home, and this is mental and physical, is what kind of support system does this person have? Are, is anyone able to care for this person? Well, how is this person's life going to be like at home? Is the hope is a home set up for this person? Because they need human support, but because of the way this illness worked, they got no human support. None whatsoever. Not even by their closest family members. All societies condemned the lepers to isolation. And even today, or in the 80s, we didn't like condemn them and throw them in a leper colony. But if you saw someone like this, you may not be like, leper, but would you befriend them? Would you, or touch them? I mean, just imagine what happens when someone begins to cough now. I mean, seriously, because we can act, we can get on our high horse, because we, we always do as people, and we're like, those people in the past, they just never knew how to treat people, but we're so much better, right? But do you approach someone, I mean, we don't approach someone with a cold, oh, and now that COVID's around. I remember sitting at Longhorn, um, I, was actually, I was actually with Kyle, uh, and he went to the bathroom, and I began to choke on some salad which is why I don't eat salad. It's a medical thing. Um, and I'm choking and like, I'm just like, <clears throat> and I'm not like, you know, like choking words like, but people always come and try to pat you on the back when you're, but that's not the thing to do. If someone's coughing, okay, their airway has some air. Okay, so don't pat someone on the back if they're doing that, right? Okay. I'm always like, don't touch me. I'm breathing, obviously. Um, but like everyone's like, no, but no one, it's like during the time of COVID, so no one is even coming to look. Most of the time, because like, and I'm just like, Everyone's afraid that I have COVID because I'm coughing. And, and so I, you know, I could, I could walk up and be like, oh, I'm like, oh my God, he's choking on COVID. Get away from him. Get away from him. Right? I mean, so, I mean, and I, and I say that to kind of demonstrate, like, how we are when we are afraid to get something. Can you imagine what it must have been like for a leper? Okay, so as we do this, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I just don't want to put us in a place where we're like, yeah, those people, I can't believe they did that. Because let's be real, we would do the exact same. We saw what we would do in that situation, okay? And so this isolation came with something else despair. Now, what would cause a leper to despair more than the typical sick person or just someone who's by themselves for a while? Touch. Touch. We rely heavily upon our sense of touch, right? We can doubt our eyes, we can doubt our ears, but when you touch something, we know it's real. 
right? We saw that with Thomas. He said, I need to touch, I need to touch it, I need to touch him to know that it's real. If I can just touch it, I'll know that it's real. And it's no accident that we describe the deepest parts of ourselves, our emotions, in terms of the sense of touch, right? We say, you hurt me. Um, sad stories, they touch our feelings, right? We are, we're touched by something. And, and, and we use that, that term, touch, even when it's not physical touch, but it's just making connection with us. As a child, when you cry, it's a mother's touch or embrace that makes you feel better, right? Your dad can be like two feet away and they're like, oh, what's happening? And they're like, not you, not you, mommy. And you're like, whatever, Ivy. <laughs> right, but it, it's that touch. It's that touch that makes them feel better, right? When, when you're sad, you know, a hug. A hug is what everyone needs when they're sad, right? Um, Many ways we express and feel love are always through touch. So this is almost like living entirely through your brain and letting your heart die. And in fact, during the time of Jesus, lepers were treated as if they were in fact dead men. They were treated like they were dead. The minute leprosy was diagnosed, the leper was completely banished from human society. They, they would often hold funerals for them because they were dead. And the leper had to go with torn clothes and disheveled hair with a covering. Wouldn't that be awful just to be told, like, you can't even brush your hair, right? Like, not only does everything else look bad, you're not allowed to brush your hair. Because, that, and they would do this so that people could see them coming. They had to wear a covering over their upper lip, and everywhere they went, they had to cry, unclean, unclean, to warn people that they were coming up the road. Um, in the Middle Ages, when someone contracted leprosy, they, like I said, they had a burial service even in the Middle Ages, um, and the form, family would mourn them as if they were dead and they were never seen again. And there, here are a few of the laws concerning lepers in Jesus' time, because it wasn't just like, oh, do whatever you want to do, right? It wasn't like, oh, Jesus just did something nobody else did, um, but he wasn't breaking any laws. There, there are actually laws concerning lepers, but these, these guys, these are for the good of society, okay? It's for the safety of society. All right. So it was illegal to greet a leper. If a leper looked in across the threshold of your house, the entire, they looked in, the entire house, even to the roof, was pronounced unclean. If the wind was blowing toward a person from a leper, so see, you had to be aware of which way the wind was blowing. The leper had to stay 146 feet away. It's 100 cubits. I, I translated it. And they're like, what? 146? That's weird. 100 cubits away. And some of the rabbis, rabbis, okay, the pastors of their day, would throw stones at lepers to keep them away from them. Um, some, someone even buy an egg from a vendor on a street where a leper had walked. But most of all, most, most people hid themselves or took to their heels at the sight of a leper, right? You didn't even have to worry about a lot of these laws, like don't greet a leper, like don't worry about it. I'm not even going to be near a leper to greet a leper, okay? So if we look real quick at this verse, knowing what we know about leprosy and about the laws regarding how lepers to, were to be treated, let's talk about the leper's approach to Jesus, because Guys, there were some laws broken here, okay? By several people, Jesus included, okay? 
the leper came to Jesus with confidence. He had no doubt that if Jesus willed it, Jesus could make him clean. This same leper would never have approached a rabbi because he knew what the rabbis would do. They had already set forth what they would do when a leper came. This leper would never have approached a rabbi. He would have been stoned away, but he came to Jesus. He had not only the confidence that Jesus could heal him, but he had the confidence that Jesus wasn't going to do the same thing that everyone else he had ever come in contact with would do. He had the confidence that Jesus was different, that he was not going to do the same thing, that he was not going to stone him. This tells us a lot about Jesus' countenance and his reputation, that this leper even thought for a second that he could approach him. The leper knew no matter how much men hate me, no matter how much my family has given up on me and abandoned me, this man will let me approach. No matter how horrid I look, he will let me come to him. Jesus will let me come. There was something about Jesus that attracted this man to him, and there was something about Jesus that made him feel like there was safety in approaching him. Do we, as Christians, attract people to us with our countenance, with our reputation? Have you ever been to a store um, or, or anywhere where um, you need help? And they're like, that's where you're going to go for help. And you walk over and the person looks at you and they're like, just their look. You're like, this person's not going to be very helpful. A lot of times you can tell on the phone. They're like, let me send you to this person. And you get them and they're like, hello. And you're like, this person is not going to help me in any way, shape, or form. Um, Jesus, wasn't, Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus wasn't like, I'm really busy. I've got something to do. I'm doing other things. His countenance called him to him. Not only was he not repelled, but it called him closer. Because you know he's watching from a distance as he goes step by step. He knows, okay, 100 cubits away, this is when people begin to run. This is when people begin to call out run. This is when people begin to notice. This is when the change starts to occur when I approach. But now I'm 90 cubits in. Now I'm 80. Nothing's happening. He's looking at me. He's making eye contact. He's keeping eye contact. He's staying. He's going like this, right? I mean, because he's waiting. Maybe he's waiting to see, man, I've heard these things about Jesus, but, but there's no way will he do what everyone else does. And he gets so close that he can talk to Jesus. He was sure that, man, this Jesus can do something that no one else in the world can do. He was not only confident in who Jesus was and that he would let him come, but he was confident in Jesus's power. There was no cure for this disease. They had no idea where it came from. They had no idea how to stop it, yet he knew Jesus can. Jesus can stop it. He can do what no one else in the world can do. 
So if you think for a second that your sin is too dirty, your past is too dirty for Jesus to heal, that if only he knew what you'd done. And sometimes, sometimes at church we feel like if these people knew what I had done, they would cast me out. And people should never feel that way because Jesus would never in a million years cast them out. Instead, his countenance says, yes, I see how dirty you are. Come to me. Come to me. And the leper came. So if you ever feel like you're too dirty, or there's not, there, I hear it all the time, like there's no forgiveness for what you've done. There is forgiveness, and he will forgive you, and he will call you to him because that's who Jesus is. That's his countenance, that's his reputation, and it's that way because that's who he is. And the leper also came with humility. He didn't demand healing. He didn't say, oh, you're the son of God, because he, he believes he's the son of God, thinking in him, oh, can you ask your dad why this has happened to me? He can send me a letter telling me why he has let this happen in my life. He, he, he just said, if you desire it, you can do it. I know that you can. I know I don't matter. I know I'm a nobody. I'm nobody to everybody. I'm dead. I am dead. I'm legally dead. No one looks at me. No one talks to me. But you, I know I'm not important, but I know that, that you can if you want to. And all I can do is ask. All I can do is ask. What did this leper have to overcome to actually approach Jesus. Can you imagine what, what hope sprung deep within him at the sight of Jesus far away? That's him. There he is. There might be the answer that I've given up on. I don't even have questions anymore. I'm so, I'm so given up on hope and given up on what I could have had and what I, I'm just like, I'm just trying to get by. And there he is, so far away. What hope had to spring in him? What kind of, what, how small was the spark or how large was the spark that drove him to Jesus? I mean, have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever felt truly, truly hopeless? And like, imagine how this guy feels. Even, even the people who know, even like the, the, the wisest people won't even like try to find an answer because they're like, we are afraid of it. I'm going to study it. I'm so scared of it. I don't even want to be around you. I'm so scared of it. You are, you are death. Like, how long had this leper lived in hopelessness? And what dying ember of hope sparked in him to drive him to not even approach Jesus, but ask him the unthinkable. I mean, how broke, was it brokenness? Sometimes like, Sometimes we have do we have to be like so broken before we're like, man, there's nothing else. There's nothing else but Jesus. There's nowhere else to go but Jesus. Like against all odds, the, the only one who can heal it. He's the only one that can heal it. Against all of our own wisdom, against all of our own know-how. Do we do we believe Jesus can do stuff like that when we go to him? Sometimes we have to be at a place where no one else can do it and we can't do it and we've given up all hope to where we say, 
You're the only one who can do it. I know, I know that you can if you want to, if you will it, not want to, if you will it, Lord, I know that you can do it. How often do we pray believing that Jesus can do what we're asking? Especially in big prayers like this, impossible prayers. Honestly, we might pray if someone in our family got leprosy, Lord, let him pass quick. Do we know that Jesus can do it? The leper also came with reverence. He knew who he was approaching. He knew he was talking to God himself. He knelt before him. When we're talking to God, do we realize who we're talking to? And I'm not, I know sometimes we get this sense of fear so that we don't want to talk to him, but do we act as if we're talking to God himself, the son of God, and that he can do what we're asking? And then he calls us to him. And the leper, in asking, and this is something we have to get over, because a lot of times we don't pray because we don't think he will. And the leper risks huge disappointment. Just imagine. He hasn't had hope in how long. Finally has a spark. Makes his way there. <gasps> He's letting me come. He's letting me come to him. He's letting me come closer. I'm close enough. He's letting me talk to him. He's heard the question. I've knelt before him. I'm at his feet. I found him, the son of God. Who would have thought today's the day that I've made it? I have found him. I've heard stories about him. I've heard the things he's done. And here I am. I found him and he let me come. And here I am at his feet. I've asked the question. And now it's in his hands. What happens if Jesus says no? hope might be officially dead for the rest of his life. This is all I've got. What if Jesus says no? He risks disappointment. Sometimes we don't ask God because we don't want to be disappointed and we just know somewhere deep in our hearts that we're going to be. Right? It's not going to work out. So what does Jesus do? He's made his way to him. I don't know, I've already read it, so I've ruined some of the suspense. Jesus reaches out and he touches him. He touches his infirmity. He touches the very thing that drove everyone else away. The very thing that drove his family away. That's what Jesus touches he touches the very thing that the man is most ashamed of. He touches the very thing the man probably finds most revolting about himself. Jesus touches the very thing that everyone else said no one could touch. No one can touch that. No one can change that. No one can do anything about that. And that is the very thing that Jesus touches. And I can just picture Jesus touching him and things beginning to happen and Jesus just bending over and whispering in his ear, that was nothing. That was nothing. You think that this was the end of something, but truly the beginning of something else. 
the beginning of something else. The great barrier in this man's life, the great despair. And we might have all had despair or hopelessness, but this is the great despair. The greatest barrier in this man's life was nothing to Jesus. It was nothing. The law said Jesus was not to let this man come within six feet of him, yet Jesus reaches out and touches him. Jesus touches him. The medical knowledge of the day would have condemned Jesus as a leper just for touching him. The same thing would happen to Jesus. You touch a leper, you're a leper, you're dead, you're outcast. That's what the law says. Yet Jesus, who is not afraid for his own safety, reaches out and touches him. If this is some man masquerading as God's son, making some bold claim that wasn't true, he could have done nothing at all about him. He could have thrown rocks at him. He could have said, go away. And everyone around him would have said, you did the right thing. You did the right thing. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, and we're all standing here, and so we want you to cast that guy out, so you really did unto others. So good. We're so glad. Yeah, it was really for the safety of us all. It was for the safety of society. We're so glad you did the right thing by keeping your distance. You did the right thing. But Jesus reaches out and touches them. And honestly, I say that a lot. Can I stop saying that? It gives the impression I lie most of the time. Um, but this thing's honest. It's one thing I'm saying. But Jesus reaches out and touches him. He could have just said the words, right? He could have just said, you're healed, my son, from a distance. And he could have healed him, right? He could have just said it. We've seen him do such things. We see, we see him heal from a distance. We will next week. But he knew that this man needed something. And it wasn't just healing that he needed. He needed a touch. How long has it been since anyone touched this man? Since he felt the touch of anyone else? It's been a long time in isolation. And Jesus, I mean, I can just see him being like, will you heal me? And Jesus is like, and he's like, ah, I thought you were going to hit me. That's what everyone does. Is he like, is he like starting to, believe? man, he already believes this can happen, but how much more when Jesus begins to reach out, is he like, oh, this guy is who he says he is because he's reaching out. This guy is not afraid of me. This guy is doing the unthinkable. I'm asking for healing. I totally thought he was just going to say the words. And now his hand is reaching out to me. And then, I mean, you got to think, this guy's nerve ends are dying, right? He's been a while since he felt his own touch. And all of a sudden, I wonder if like the, how he knew he was healed is he was like, I felt that. I felt that. I felt that. I felt Jesus' hand. I physically felt him touch me. That's the first felt I've touched from another human being, and I don't know how long. Was it like the sign he was healed, just feeling the touch? Did he know the moment he felt it? <gasps> oh my. Like, did he need to, like, I mean, look in a mirror? Or was he just like, that's it? Oh, I'm healed. And Jesus, man, Jesus, uh, Jesus is so great. 
he's just so great. He does everything with great purpose. And this, I mean, how long did that take me to read? It was like a small, small little paragraph. Matthew likes to keep it small, right? Luke would, this would be, tell us what's up. It's just a small little paragraph. It's just one thing in the life of Jesus. And it it might have seemed like a small matter to anyone around. But to the leper, the touch was everything. The touch was everything. Jesus knew just what he needed. He said, you're coming to me. I know what you're asking me for. I know what you're asking me for. You want to be healed. But I also, I know what you need. And what you need is this. Now, you don't just need to be healed of this physical ailment. You need for another human being to reach out and touch you. You need to know that God is not afraid or put off by your dirt, by your filth. You need to know, you need to be, you need to be healed here. Just as just as much as here. The touch is everything. The touch is everything. And why does he bother? Because he's good. Because he's good. It's a small moment. I mean, being healed is enough. But Jesus, what man, Jesus. God sees it all, and God is concerned with eternity. He's got much bigger goals than the goals that we have. And even though Jesus has this, uh, he know, there's this big plan, and, and there's a purpose to save humanity. It's a big deal, but he stops along the way to help whomever he can, and he doesn't just heal these physical ailments. He's reaching in and touching hearts. This was everything to the leper. Can you imagine his face? Can you imagine his joy? Can you imagine his surprise? As much as we know God, as much as we know his love, no matter how long we've walked with him, we know his love and we know his power, I guarantee you, if you continue to walk with him, you will still be surprised by his love and his power because it's so much greater than we can comprehend. Over and over again, I am surprised by God's love. Over and over again, I'm surprised by his power. Over and over again, I am surprised that he would touch me. Do you think the leper kept it quiet? Do you think he kept it quiet? Do you think he could? Do you think he could keep it quiet? What happened? Or do you think he went and did what Jesus said, because you know he's going to obey, and then runs and tells all the other lepers what happened? You know that he did. You know that he had to go. I mean, I hope that he did. I would hope that he would go tell all the other lepers where they can go to finally be healed. And he, you know, he told him, like, he went that way. He was, he was on 3rd Street when I found him. It's been 10 minutes. He was walking east. He's probably, you know, he's, he is telling them, this is where you go. This is where you need to go. And guys, there are millions and millions of untouchable lepers out there. And we let them rot. Um, 
there's a, a, I guess, I don't know, they're magicians slash comedy. Uh, Penn and Teller. Um, do you guys know who Penn and Teller are? Right? Okay. So Penn, uh, and probably Teller too, Penn's an atheist, but he's very outspoken about it. Um, and he tells this story. You can look it up online. Not lying. Because um, he made a video about it, um, which I think is kind of funny. Um, and he said, this guy uh, came up to me after one of our shows um, and kind of waited for me and found me. Um, and he said to me, um, I brought this for you. And he handed me a Gideon pocket edition of the New Testament and Psalms. And he said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye, and it was really wonderful. I believe he knows that I'm an atheist, but he was not defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes, and he was truly complimentary. And it didn't seem in any way like empty flattery. He was really kind. I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, and this is all, I'm quoting this atheist, Penn. says, if you think it's not worth really telling them because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe they can have everlasting life and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed without a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming to hit you and you just wouldn't believe it and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I would just tackle you and say, and this is more important than that. This guy was a really good guy and he was a really good man and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a Bible. Now, Penn is still not a Christian. He's still an atheist. But Penn, and I know, I know, like, if, you know, if you've ever tried to witness to someone who's, like, full, like, full on says, like, I'm an atheist. Like, people say, I don't believe, or, like, oh, I believe my own things, or, like, whatever. But, like, I'm an atheist. You know, it, you might be like, oh, man, they're really hard to, they're untouchable. But Penn has a chink in his armor now. And what did it? It wasn't outsmarting him wasn't out debating him. It was just a Christian openly and honestly trying to save his life. It was his willingness to save a man who doesn't want to be saved. And he knew in advance where Penn stood. So this is a guy that I respect. This is a guy that um, I came to the show. Obviously, I really like this guy. I want, to, I, I want him to see me in a good light, but he's risking He's risking an awkward conversation. He's risking conflict. And it may very well be, and he didn't get to see Penn say, I want to I know this Jesus. But it may very well be the chink in the armor that allows God to get through. I mean, he made a video about it. And he was like, if you're a Christian and you believe this, how do you not? How do you not? And he who doesn't believe in God says, I don't respect people who don't do that. That's crazy. That's just crazy, right? Don't miss these small moments in life to save someone. A lot of times, instead of helping people, we like to point out that they're lepers. That's what society does. 
But Jesus knew. I mean, there, there's no hiding it. Sometimes we just assume what people are. But it's plain as day that this man is a leper. It's plain as day that it is not safe to approach him. The wisdom at the time meant a slow, certain, awful death. And he did it anyway. The wisdom at the time said, hey, even if you're going to do something good, stay away. Stay away. Be safe and just speak it. But Jesus went and he touched him. God is good. God is good. Jesus is good. It's these little things, even though it's a paragraph, it's these little things that made everyone around him go, this is different. And this guy, this guy has a power. This guy has a love I've never seen before. This guy is doing things no one would dare do, and he would do it. And like, our, we are Christians. We are followers of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus touches. Not only does he say, oh, you're afflicted. I'm going to try to clean you from a distance. I'm going to try to say, Jesus touches the affliction. Jesus gets his hands dirty in the affliction. He touches the very thing the man is ashamed of, the very thing that makes him ugly, the very thing that makes him unapproachable, the dirt, the grime. Jesus touches that particular thing because Jesus knows there is no way other than my power. There's nothing that's going to, that's going to, cleanse you. There's nothing that's going to heal you like my touch. I'm the healer. I am the restorer. I'm the restoration of all things. This is our God. God is good. God is really good. How, how do I know that God is good? What, 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 why do we do this? What, what's the point? Like, I know that God is good because I was once the leper. My, heal, my, my arms have healed miraculously. No, I was, I was the untouchable person. I, I reeked of death. Death was all over me. The good kids didn't want to be around me. Other kids, if they got in trouble, they said it was my fault and their parents would believe it. No one would approach me. Many would say that there's no hope for me, yet Jesus approached me and Jesus entered and touched me where no one would touch me. Who in this room can say you've been touched by the hand of Jesus? That you've been touched, that you've been restored? And if you came from some crime, you say, yeah, and he touched me when I was untouchable. He touched me when I was untouchable. And sometimes, though, sometimes, the farther we walk, sometimes we forget his touch. We forget that initial touch. We forget where we were. We forget what he did. And I think we need to remember what that touch felt like, the power in it, the love in it, so that we can go touch people the same. His touch is full of love. It's full of power. And it's the only thing that turns the hearts of the people. His, his, his touch is the only thing that can turn the heart of a nation. God is good. God is good. I think that's just the point of this sermon. God is good. I, I just want us to leave with an overwhelming sense of who God is. Because I think as Christians, on the whole, we forget his touch. We forget what it was like. We forget who we were. 
Sometimes we, we're still sinners. We still make mistakes. And somehow we've forgotten that Jesus approached us when we were untouchable. And then we think, well, now I'm, I'm dirty again. I, I just can't be in his presence. I know he's disappointed in me. I know he doesn't want to be around me. I know, I know I'm just like, I, I'm just a disappointment. I'm a disappointment to myself. I, I, I think Jesus maybe had bigger hopes for me when he first touched me. I think he had bigger hopes. And now he sees who I am because I'm a little dirty again. And Jesus still, still steps and says, no, I'm still going to touch that affliction. I'm still going to touch that affliction. I'm still going to touch that shame. I'm still going to touch that guilt. Nothing you can do makes me want to throw stones at you. Nothing you do makes me want to back away from you. Nothing you do will ever change my approach because Jesus is always continuing to approach. And it's us, it's us that backs off. It's us that backs away from him. And I just want to remind you today as a church that all it takes, there's nothing in the world that Jesus can't fix. Nothing in the world that Jesus can't fix. All it takes is one touch. This guy's whole life was a mess. This guy was given up on. This guy was declared dead by the people who loved him most. And all it took was one touch from Jesus. Just a simple touch of Jesus. And that goes for us, and it goes for our family, and it goes for our friends. It goes for us. Yeah, we're dirty and yeah, we make mistakes and Jesus continues to approach us and touch us. Yeah, you might have said a prayer for someone and you think, man, I don't, man, I, I have friends that you're just like, I don't know if this is going to do it. And then something happens. And you're like, maybe this is going to do it. This is like bad enough that maybe God's just like preaching them to where, so to where something can happen because I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And it seems like an impossible prayer. It just seems like this is not going to happen. It just seems it's not going to work. Why? Because they're too dirty because they're too sick, because they're too broken, because it's been too long, because they've been isolated away from, from you. They won't listen to you. It's been so long. They've been isolated. They won't go to church. They're away from Jesus for too long. It's just been too long. And in our hearts, we declare them as dead. But just a touch, just a touch from Jesus makes all things new, makes all things new. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you that you are good. I just thank you that you are good. I thank you that you approached each one of us. I thank you that you touched our hearts. I thank you that you made us new, Lord. I just pray that we would never forget your touch, that we would never forget your love for us when we were broken, when we weren't whole that we would not be convinced by the enemy that you don't want to be around us because you've proven time and time again that it's only your touch that heals and you desire to reach out and touch us, Lord. And I just pray that we could understand your loving kindness, that we could just understand your loving kindness so we could do the same, Lord, that we could show the world your loving kindness, that we would never be appalled or turned off or turned away by someone's filth, by someone's dirtiness, by a medical condition, may we never, ever give in to fear. Lord, may we never put our trust in safety. But I just pray that we be brave and bold, Lord, trusting in the power of your touch. Lord, we lay all things in your hands, all things in your hands. We lay all things at your feet, knowing that if you touch it, you can change it. We come to you with humility, knowing who we ask, Lord, and believing, Lord, help our unbelief 
that when we pray, we know that you can. We know that you can, Lord. May we not pray in doubt, but may we come like the leper knowing if you will just say the word, if you will just reach out your hand, all things will be made new. I believe it. I've seen it time and time again. I've felt your touch before. Lord, please hear our prayer. May we come to you like that, Lord, knowing that you are God. Knowing you hear our prayers, knowing that you have the power to answer them, knowing that you are king of all the earth, Lord. And I just pray that that knowledge, Lord, could help us go out and touch those who need to feel the loving touch of our Lord and Savior, Lord. I just thank you and I praise you for all that you've done, all that you are doing. We thank you for the prayers that you've answered. We thank you for the prayers that you have not answered yet. And we continue to pray. Forgive us for doubting. Forgive us when we despair. And I just pray that, like the leper, we could just have a spark of hope when we bring something to you, knowing that you hear. We just thank you, Jesus, that you are good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about The Well and other resources to help you study the Bible, go to thewellministry.co.